0: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. i tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done
1: it again. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to the week 12 waiver wire show. Yeah, Gus Edwards is gonna be pretty popular today, but who else could you be turning to? Might be some kind of lousy offenses that you have to rely on this week. We'll talk about that. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Heisenberg. Jamie, where is the strength of the waiver wire this week? It's a
2: great question. Um the strength of the waiver wire this week is probably still the wide receivers, but I mean there, there's it's very top heavy in each position. Like there's a there's a starter, there's a potential starter for your fantasy team, a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver that could be available.
1: Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm a little, I'm pretty surprised at who your number one tight end is. Uh
2: I'm I'm not sold on any of those guys, to be honest with you. Okay. So if you have a different <laughs> option, I haven't Uh, finished the story yet so you you can sway me another direction please feel free
1: okay spoiler alert right now right now it's jimmy graham uh among the less than 65 percent rostered guys uh and you know the green bay on paper looks like they're good against tight ends they're probably not if you really look at like who they've played also no buys this week three games on thanksgiving dave how are you feeling waiver waiver wireometer today what do you think
0: I think it's a ten if you need a wide receiver or if you need wide receiver depth. I think you need the top waiver claim if you need a running back, and uh, it's really about it.
1: Okay, so these wide receivers that we speak so highly of, Michael Pittman, is that is that the guy? That's my guy. Okay, and then Debo and Sterling Shepard, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, it's it is a pretty good week at wide receiver, but of what course, about
0: Tim Patrick, fifty five percent rostered.
2: It's a terrible matchup for week 12. You know, that's not problem is that but
0: still uh, I'm, I'm thinking long-term as well.
2: Yeah. And you, you know well. you can't, you can't judge his week 11. If you didn't see the game, his week 11, uh, numbers are extremely inflated by one big play that happened at the end of the game. When yeah. Duloc was just trying to kill the clock mm-hmm. and just yeah, threw threw the ball up for grabs. And <laughs> Tim Patrick happened to you know come down <laughs> with it. So don't look at the hundred yards and say, Oh my God, this guy has gotten just had an amazing game against the dolphins. Cause he had a good game, just not a great game, but, uh, yeah, no, he's he's absolutely in that conversation for sure.
1: When I said some lousy offenses, there were really two that came to mind. And we'll, we'll say lousy passing games. That would be the Giants at Cincinnati, Cleveland at Jacksonville. There are some players available on the waiver wire, uh, including Sterling Shepard is about 50% rostered. And we know Cincinnati, I think it's now 14 of the last 15 wide receivers to face Cincinnati and get six or more targets have had good games. And Sterling Shepard's had six or more targets every game he's started and finished this year. Uh, And then, you know, Evan Ingram you might find. Gallman you might find. Slayton you might find. Daniel Jones is surprisingly high on the priority list, you know, because the matchup's so good. And then for Cleveland, it's like, are you going to trust anyone in the passing game? You might be able to see. Austin Hooper's available in a lot of leagues. Baker Mayfield's available in a lot of leagues. So, uh, unfortunately, I think, like, Jacksonville and Cincinnati are two teams you stream against and they're facing the Giants in Cleveland this week. It's not super exciting. And then, of course, Gus Edwards has the Steelers. Let's get to it, Dave. Uh, Why don't you give me uh, some top waiver wire priorities? Gus, Pittman,
0: if you need a quarterback, Taysom Hill, and then there's pretty much everybody else.
1: Uh, He'd be a little more. What about Debo?
0: Look, I, I would put Patrick ahead of Debo. Just okay. because I've seen, yes, he had a crazy play at the end of the game. Still at seven targets before that. And we've seen him step up previously with Denver.
1: Okay. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Give me, so who who are your top priorities? Uh, Edwards,
2: Taysom Hill, and Pittman would be the top three. You know, put them in any order you want. You know, depending on what you need. Um, I think James White's got to be in that conversation too because now Rex Burkhead most likely done for the season with uh, what's not yet been confirmed, but it seems like it's an ACL tear for him. Um, so you saw James White look like the old James White against the Texans last week, which was fun to see. Then it gets a little dicey. I mean, you could jumble those receivers and, and then you were, I mean, look, Nelson Aguilar has been playing really well. And you know, when we've seen his targets up and they were up against the, the Chiefs, I thought the Raiders would throw the ball with some success. They did. And Aguilar has been their their best guy, um, or at least their most consistent guy, and aside from Waller. And then, you know, like you said, Debo Shepard, um, Tim Patrick, you know, they all have an opportunity here to help you down the stretch to some degree. Um, and then the tight ends. Look, I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Hooper. I'm sure that's the guy you're going to say should be the best. Uh, Jordan Reed's coming off a strong game. You know, he's somebody that you look at Jimmy Graham is touchdown dependent, but you know, he could score against Packers. That's why I have him first, but um, you know, there are options there. And then the, the DSTs are, are certainly interesting this week. You know, you, you mentioned some of the, the crappy defenses that some of these bad offenses are facing. Well, the Giants defense, I mean, it's played well, and now you're facing Ryan Finley. I mean, that could be a, a, a week winning DST for you. So, don't overlook those guys as
1: well. Giant, yeah, the DST actually pretty strong. Giants, Seahawks, Packers. Jamie also has the Texans on there. Giants at Cincinnati, Seahawks at Philadelphia, Packers against the Bears. Who we, Who's there going to be their quarterback? Tyler Bray? I mean, it could be, could be. Yeah, so it could be Foles, could be Trubisky. They don't know right now. But those three defenses are, are pretty available, especially the Giants and the Seahawks. So good week there. Uh, we got to talk a little bit more about Gus Edwards, guys. Let me promote a few things, though. We're going to give you a whole bunch of waiver wire advice right now, but if anything changes or if you want some advice on starter or sit or trades before your trade deadline or Thanksgiving side dishes or whatever, come join us 8 p.m. tonight on Twitch, twitch.com slash FFtoday. And make sure you're watching CBS Sports HQ, noon Eastern today. It's all about the waiver wire, but it's noon Eastern. Monday through Friday, and then 10 a.m. Eastern Actually, we're on, uh, we're on oh, 1 o'clock thank
2: Eastern you. on Wednesday. Excuse me, uh, today and Wednesday because of uh, soccer coverage. Right. And then Thursday, we are on at 11 a.m. Eastern. And Friday, we're on at 10 a.m. Eastern because there's college football. So Thanksgiving okay. and soccer and college football has <laughs> moved our schedule all over the place.
1: Okay, so this week, it's... 1 p.m. on Tuesday and Wednesday. Check Twitter. Right? We'll, we yeah. will post All right. it 1 on 1 p.m. on, on Tuesday on. and
2: Wednesday. 11 a.m. Yeah. on Thursday for 90 minutes, though. And
1: then uh, Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Right. Okay. And uh, so if you miss that show, you can watch it on demand on your CBS Sports app on OTT devices. Go to the CBS Sports app. Scroll down until you see the FFT familiar faces. And join our Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Get in on that. Uh, just obviously, it's free. Just go to Facebook, search for Fantasy Football Today, or click the link in the episode description. Chat with our FFT team and mostly just our community of listeners and very active, very involved, and people who just love fantasy football. All right. So, Gus Edwards, thank you for doing the bonus pod yesterday, Dave and Chris Towers. Appreciate that. Uh, how like he does? Okay. Obviously, we're excited about a Ravens running back. Both Dobbins and Ingram have COVID. Unfortunately, they've tested positive. So they're out. Could be multiple weeks, too. But where are you guys going to rank Gus Edwards? He's uh, he's a top 15
2: guy this week. You know, there's, um, there, there's a lot to like. Uh, there's clearly some downside because, you know, this is a, a, a Steelers defense that has improved since they first met in week eight. But, you know... Anytime you're going to get one of these guys in this backfield getting this much work, at least the expectation of him getting this much work is exciting. I hope they throw him the ball. He does have three catches um, in his last four games, which is nice, but he's just (laughs) not a three total catches Yeah, for the season. But I mean, yeah, yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah, even Todd Gurley is laughing at that. I would imagine, you know, they're going to, you know, use him more in that regard or it could be justice. Hill. you know, that's the, that's the fun of this is that we'll get all excited about Gus Edwards and then the Ravens will throw justice Hill out there for 50% of the snaps, but, uh, they ran for 200 yards against the Steelers in that first meeting. And and clearly he was a big part of that without Mark Ingram there. So now Dobbins is gone and, you know, hopefully they just lean on him as much as they can. He's been successful every time they've given him an extended workload. So it's just a matter of, you know, do the Steelers just say, okay, we're going to dare Lamar Jackson to throw because he's been bad in that regard. Um, and so does, you know, they just stack the box and say, you're, you're not going to run on us. We're not going to let you. And, and the Ravens just, you know, run into a wall many, many times. So you got to take your chances though, just based on what this Ravens run game has been, what his options what his opportunity looks like and, and hope that he does deliver, you know, something in the neighborhood of 80 total yards and a touchdown. And I think that's well within the realm of possibility.
0: That's what he had in week eight, 16 carries, 87 yards and a touchdown. And in their last four games, the Steelers have allowed 5.1 yards per carry. It's, not the Steelers' defense that we're used to.
1: Well, if you break that down in those four games, those are the games they've played without Devin Bush, their star linebacker. Mm-hmm. The Ravens were by far the most successful team. You know, Derrick Henry was okay. 20 carries, yep. 75 yards and a touchdown. The Ravens ran all over them. Zeke was terrible. Geo was terrible. Then you had guys like Samaje, P. Ryan. He was good. James Robinson was good. So, uh, the I, you know, I'm not sure, Dave, how much i buy that five- what was it? I don't buy it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think they're. I don't know that they're going to shut them down. Do you think down. they grind
0: them down to below four yards per carry on a short week?
1: Well, not necessarily. I just don't mm. think they stink. That's that's I guess my point. But right. but I, the Ravens I, I can run the, the, on anyway. The Ravens game
2: was the second game without Devin Bush, and you know they've since added Williamson. You know, so that's a you know piece to change things, which you know you've seen better run defense the last three weeks. So it's it, again, Edwards has a great opportunity here. You have to buy into it. You have to buy into what his. Uh, you know, not just the game against, not just the games with Ingram out. You know, you go back to last year when he got an extended workload when Ingram missed time at the end of the season or when they just gave him better opportunities when sharing the ball with Ingram. But um, this is not, this, you know, the Steelers defense that they faced that first time around is better than the Steelers defense that they're facing now against the run.
1: Uh, are you going to start <clears throat> Gus Edwards Elair or Clyde Edwards Elair this week with Clyde getting Tampa Bay? the dreaded Tampa Bay matchup.
0: I like Gus better. Yeah. He's currently in my All top right. 12. Gus.
2: Okay. Yeah. I think I have him 13, you know, uh, that's PPR. He's inside my top 12 non PPR, but right. Yeah. Um, he's, 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 it's a great opportunity. You know, again, you, you know, you don't find guys that have this, this type of potential. Um, and like you said, I mean, it could be multiple weeks, you know, so there, there's a, there's a chance for him to really help you, you know, um, as long as Dobbins and Ingram are out.
1: Yeah. And he gets Dallas, in week 13, so that would be awesome. And then, okay, so the one other thing I wanted to mention is last year, week 17, the Steelers and the Ravens played. And the Ravens sat, Mark Ingram was hurt, but they sat Lamar Jackson. Uh, they played Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. I'm trying to look up the game log just to see if Justice Hill got a lot of garbage time because it was a blowout win, 28-10 to over Pittsburgh. But... Gus Edwards had 21 carries in that game for 130 yards. Justice Hill had 10 carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. They combined for two catches for 12 yards. So Justice Hill is maybe the guy you put like a dollar on and see, I don't know, he get the second guy, but obviously less exciting, and he has one carry this year, uh, one touch this year. No carries, one catch. One catch, there you go. Okay, so... Okay, Gus Edwards, Michael Pittman... Taysom Hill, James White. Pittman had 100 yards last time he faced the Titans. That was just a couple of weeks ago. Did you know? This is a crazy stat. The Titans, that's who Pittman's playing this week, they give up the fewest yards per catch to wide receivers. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Sure. Doesn't that Bad just secondary. blow your mind?
2: Bad no. Bad secondary, so surprising, yes.
1: Yeah, they give up a ton of targets to wide receivers, second most, but yards per catch, the fewest. Okay, we'll get to more names. we got a lot of them. How much FAB are we spending this week? Is it just like... Do you need Gus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> em- empty the wallet.
0: You, you should probably prepare to spend all if you are around 50% remaining on your FAB. And if, let's just say you're in a situation where you haven't spent a dollar all year, or maybe you've only spent like a few, you've got 90 plus percent left. I would take a look at the FAB budgets of the other members of your league, see how many of them are low, and bid at least enough to outbid those guys to get Gus Edwards. I'm thinking he's going to go anywhere between 40 and 60% with a couple of leagues where somebody plunks down like 79, 85 92, just to get Gus Edwards.
1: Who's the long-term play? Is it Michael Pittman, the guy that you think might help you rest of season, or is it Debo or Shepard? Who's the long-term play?
2: Any of those receivers. But again, you know, we – the, the the best example we can give you of a COVID nineteen related scenario is Miles Garrett, who missed last week, and has now already been ruled out for this week. So it could be a two week absence. You know, again, it's so tricky with this that they could be back next week and and have no no concerns. Hopefully that's the case. You know, for uh, their health and obviously for the Ravens and and the the J K Dobbins and potentially Mark Ingram fantasy managers. But I mean, Gus Edwards could be. A league winner for you going into the fantasy playoffs until those guys are back. But yeah, Pittman looks like he's the number one guy for the Colts. Targets don't necessarily say that, especially what we saw last week where T.Y. Hilton still led them in targets. But, you know, the upside is, is is there for him. Um, like Dave mentioned, Tim Patrick's been great. Debo Samuel hopefully will be great. Sterling Shepard, like you said, Adam continues to get targets from Daniel Jones, who's playing much better uh of late. Um, so yeah, you know, the the wide receivers seemingly look like the better options for you to help you in the fantasy playoffs.
1: Yeah. And let's say you had like 30% of your budget. Let's say you have 30 bucks left out of hundred. How much are you putting on Michael Pittman?
2: I think Dave said it best. At this point you got to look at what the rest of your league has, you know, so and, and what you need. You know, so if your receiving core has been depleted, I mean look, now we have not just uh the injuries that we've been dealing with, we don't know what Julio Jones status is. We don't know what Juju Smith-Schuster's status is. You know, those are two guys that have been started across the board. You have other wide receivers that are banged up. You still have two teams on a bye next week and two prominent ones in the Panthers and the um, Buccaneers in week 13. You know, So if you need receiver help, you might have to spend all of that as well You know, on a guy like Pittman who looks like he could be legitimate or one of the other guys. I mean, it's a slide scale. You know, I, I, don't, well, I don't necessarily want to break you, the bank for them. But. but
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you've got... Uh, okay, if you have to win right now, it's one thing. But if you think you're going to the playoffs, I'm not... You know, probably shouldn't spend all your money right? I mean, obviously
2: you got to save no, something for that, going that, forward. Like Dave said it best. You need to look at the rest, you know, don't just blindly put in bids at this point. You know, you should look at the rest of your league and see what's what you're competing against. You know, if there's, if you have 30 and somebody else has 50 and somebody else has 20 you know, and the rest are, you know, 10 or less, then, you know, you have to be a little bit creative with how you're putting your bids in. But if you're the leader in bid points, fab points, then you can be a little bit, different in how you spend your money i know
1: i'm just life. saying that is Pittman the guy that you know if you've got to try to get through the next four or five weeks here including the fantasy postseason is Pittman someone that you're going to spend almost all of your fab on is he a, is he a the next t like, higgins is he the next chase claypool i'm
0: i'm nervous to say that he's that like I, i'm tossing around percentages no, in my no. in my head and i i almost wonder if tw- i think 25 is too much on Pittman, just yeah, I was going to say ten to fifteen in a vacuum. Of I, I original think that budget? that's probably in the neighborhood, like maybe maybe sixteen percent,
1: Dave, of of the original yeah. budget. You're saying
0: I'm talking to the. I'm thinking just in a vacuum, just to give, just to put a number out there, which isn't what we should do here, but uh, you can double check what everybody else has left. There's going to be too many fantasy managers that have sixteen percent or more left. I think that you're going to have a competitive bid for Pittman at 16 to 18%. Of your original budget, you're saying? Of the original okay. budget. Okay. I can't tell you, like, 18% of your current budget. Right. I don't know what everybody's current
1: well, budget Well, we is. get this a lot. You know, you should do current, you should do original. I think it's more helpful to do original budget just to give you sort of a concept of what this player would go for in a normal week. You know? Like, in a normal week, Michael Pittman, is he's probably like a $16 player. I don't know if people are going to go, thir- I don't know, maybe... You never know. It it takes one person. To go thirty, forty percent. I, mean, I 40%. just think of
0: it as I've got a one hundred dollar budget to begin the season. This is how much I would put in for them, mm, right. and then I, in my brain I say that, and then I spit out eighteen
1: percent. So <laughs> right. I, I'd be
0: willing to go as high as eighteen bucks if I started with a one hundred dollar budget.
1: Okay, I gotta I gotta talk to you about the awesome watch that I have uh, from Movement Watches. But first, I want to ask you. Um, about this it's kind of a trivia question here actually why don't we come back to the trivia question remind me after i tell you about movement watches all right look at this watch people this watch look it's like fan, looks like pretty fancy right pretty nice pretty sleek really inexpensive you go to movement watches they basically were like basically the way i felt about watches Yeah, watches are really nice. I'd love to have a nice watch. They're way too expensive. You go to a department store, it's like, oh, $500 for that? There's no way. I don't need that. Movement watches, go on movement.com right now. It's MVMT. MVMT. They got their biggest sale of the year. Fast and free shipping and free returns. Check out all of the movement watches and other accessories, by the way. MVMT. Like I'm looking at the watches right now. That's like a $150, $130, $80 for some watches. And they're all really nice. Because it's so inexpensive. I actually have two movement watches. So this is a great, great holiday gift. Okay. It's not I'm terrible at giving holiday gifts. But this would be really just perfect. They make clean, modern watches, blue light glasses, and accessories. You're getting great quality and style that does not have to break the bank. And the Black Friday sale is live right now. So you can get ahead of your holiday shopping with their biggest sale of all time. And it, you feel like you're wearing like a very expensive $400, $500 watch. Okay, not a Rolex, not like a $20,000 watch. But you feel like you're wearing... Just something really nice and and something that you can wear to basically any occasion, too. And they're not showy. They're not gaudy or anything. They're just just really cool watches. So I I highly recommend it. Take advantage of this great sale they have now, their biggest sale of the year, their biggest sale ever. And again, fast and free shipping and free returns. MVMT.com slash FFT. Those are two M's as in Mary. MVMT.com slash FFT. All right. Here we go. Trivia question. It's tough. So last night, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup became the fourth teammate duo in the last 70 years to have 11-plus catches and 130-plus receiving yards in the same game. Uh, The other duos, I will give you the teams and the years, and you try to tell me the two wide receivers who did it, okay? So 11-plus catches, 130-plus receiving yards in the same game. We've got the 1985 Dallas Cowboys... And I've never heard of either of these guys, so. You want to guess, or do you just, no? Do
0: you want me to guess their names?
1: Yeah, yeah. Who were who the wide receivers of the 1985 Cowboys that did this? You can pass if it's, yeah. Okay, I'll okay. pass. Okay, that would be Tony Hill and Doug Cosby. All right, how about the 1990 Washington Redskins? 1990 Washington. Art Monk? Yep.
2: Gary Clark? Nope. It's before uh, Art Monk and.
0: uh, I'll give you five. Yeah, I'm. Ricky
1: Sanders. Ricky Sanders. Ricky Uh, Sanders. All right, here we go. Let's get a little more current. The last duo before Cup and Woods to have 11 plus catches and 130 plus receiving yards in the same game. The 2010 Houston Texans. 2010 Houston Texans. Who were the wide receivers?
0: Andre Johnson. Uh huh. That was the easy one. (laughs) (laughs) You got a hint?
1: College? He he has two first names.
0: Was not a star. (laughs) David Richard. I only had ten for one twenty with
1: Andre. Oh uh,
0: yeah, we, ne- we never made eleven for one thirty.
2: First names? Did he? Play- was he? Was he a prominent player? Or was a? First- yeah,
1: I mean, you know him. You'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. All right, who was it? Kevin Walter. No, oh, Kevin, Kevin Walter. Walter.
2: How about He's that? Great Kevin Walter. I remember him.
1: All right, our news and notes. So you got Ingram, Edwards, and also Brandon Williams on the reserve COVID list. Don't know if if Williams is just a close contact or not. We do know Gus Edwards and Ingram. Have tested positive. Kyler Murray has a shoulder injury. We'll just hold our breath and our shoulder and hope he plays at New England. Don't know about who's going to be the Bears' quarterback this week. Lamichael P. Ryan has a high ankle sprain, and Frank Gore. I mean, Frank Gore might get twenty carries, so he's. you Mike, might and he's on the waiver wire. What'd you say? It's a he by it's Adam Gates. <laughs> yeah, Adam Gates has been waiting all year to give <laughs> Frank Gore twenty carries. You know that
2: his best game was last week, Frank Gore. First touchdown of the season. His second best game was against the
1: Dolphins. Okay, and that's that's out this week's opponent. So he's available. Julio Jones could be a game-time decision facing Las Vegas. Randall Cobb out this week. Kenny Stills has a chance to play. They have the Thursday game at Detroit. And it makes if Kenny Stills doesn't play, it makes maybe Jordan Aikens kind of interesting. He's on the waiver-wire list. Uh, Trent Williams on the reserve COVID list. Brandon Ayuk still on the reserve COVID list. Do we know if Ayuk is going to play this week?
0: Not, yet. not sure as of now. Okay. Just the fact that he's on the COVID list. He can still clear the protocol and play on Sunday, but it's one you got to monitor.
1: At the Rams. Adam Thielen on the reserve COVID list. That's another one. We don't know if he tested positive or if he's a close contact. Obviously, if he tested positive, he's not going to play. If he's a close contact, he, he probably will play. Uh, that's kind of been the, the pattern. Miles Garrett out this week at Jacksonville. Joe Burrow, a lot of that's. Probably probably we'll talk about that maybe tomorrow, Dynasty Talk or something. Torn ACL, torn MCL and more yeah. structural damage in his knee. Do do we expect him to be ready for week 1 or a total guess right now?
2: There's talk that he won't be ready. Probably guess he's going to be ready for week 1, but this would be now two off seasons of no work for him, which is not good. Yeah.
1: Uh Richie Incognito, Las Vegas guard. He's out for the yeah, season. That's it's trouble. a tough blow. It's a tough that's blow. Trouble. They finally started getting a little healthier there. Um, and Josh Allen for the Jaguars could go on IR. There are some other notable injuries to watch. The Eagles are really beat up. Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Even if these guys play, they're playing hurt. Green Bay center Corey Lindsley, he's hurt. Uh, Don't know if he'll play. And Jacksonville left guard Andrew Norwell out this week. Back to the waiver wire. Let's get some names. Let's fire it up. Jamie, who are the top three quarterbacks this week?
2: Well, Taysom Hill obviously is number one. I mean, you know, great performance from him in uh, his starting debut against Atlanta. We'll see how he does against the Broncos, but you got to buy into it based on his rushing totals. Uh, Number two would be Phillip Rivers for me. Uh, He's been playing much better of late, had a very solid game against Tennessee two weeks ago. Like you said, Adam, when they face each other on Thursday, only 18 points in that game, but uh, over 300 yards passing and a touchdown. He's been 27 or more points in three of his last five games. And then Daniel Jones, you know, I was surprised when I looked at his game log Mm -hmm. from his fantasy production, seeing that he scored 20 or more fantasy points in three of his last four. Two of those, both against Philadelphia, 64 yards rushing in those two games, but he's been over 20 yards rushing in three of those games. And so what he's doing with his legs, with this matchup against Cincinnati, I think he's worth buying into. So those would be the top three for me, but you could throw Andy Dalton in there if you want to as well.
1: And there's this group of quarterbacks that are, you know, in the 70 to 80% range, like Derek Carr. Derek Carr, would you take Taysom Hill or Derek Carr?
2: I would start Derek Carr this week, but it's very close. Four points, it's easy to go Taysom Hill based on his rushing, but uh, six points. I mean, Derek Carr to me has been fantastic this season. And, um, you know, he had the one run game where the team ran all over the Broncos, the win game against Cleveland, but he had been playing very well, and then he was awesome against the Chiefs. You know, uh, throw out the interception because that was just a you know, Hail Mary at the end of the game. But he, he I thought he played well against the Chiefs. He exceeded my expectations.
1: Well, don't throw out the interception entirely because Ben Schrager won a league on that interception by one point. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there's like Carson Wentz against Seattle. There's Matthew Stafford against Houston. Yeah, you can't
2: trust Carson Wentz.
1: Tua Tanga vailoa at the Jets. You know, they're all in the 75% range. What do we do with Stafford, Wentz, and Tua? Do we drop them? Do Do we, are they startable this week? They all have good matchups. I didn't put
2: Stafford on the drop list because I'm hopeful that Kenny Galladay plays and that changes Matthew Stafford entirely. So he's kind of in this purgatory of, uh, you know, if you're stuck and you see him available and you find out Galladay's back, I don't think there's going to be a rush to the waiver wire to get him. So he would be uh, probably a day two pickup unless you have a roster spot you want to play with and, and just pick him up to see what happens because he's a different quarterback with Galladay out there. Um, Wentz, there's talk about Jalen Hurts playing more. The media in Philadelphia, the, the swell is growing for why don't you just play Hurts altogether? You know, Wentz is just a disaster. And, and look, for what it's worth, Seattle's defense obviously played much better last week against the Cardinals. I would imagine that with rest and playing this defense, which you mentioned, Adam, there could be down three offensive linemen um, or two offensive linemen. They're moving Jason Peters. They're keeping Jason Peters at left tackle. That's not been good for them this year. So uh, it could be really ugly for, for Wentz. And the third one you mentioned, Tua, uh, I mean, we know the story that happened this past week. What happens if he struggles again against the Jets? You know, does he get pulled for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because clearly the Dolphins coaching staff is not afraid to go with the guy that they think is the best.
1: Yeah, the Jets also, when you look at the big games they've given up, they have faced Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Those guys have killed them. And Allen had only one great game out of two. But, you know, the other, Garoppolo had a good game, but he left with an injury. Rivers had 14 points, Rippon 15, Fitzpatrick 21, Cam Newton 23. So that's the thing with Tua. It's like he doesn't throw that much to begin with. And the Jets, he could, obviously anyone could be good against the Jets. They're that bad. But they've also faced some of the very, very best, and those guys have crushed them. All right, so Taysom Hill, Phillip Rivers, Daniel Jones, in terms of less than 60 for 65% owned, that would be the top three. Uh, Dave, top running backs, Gus Edwards and...
0: James White would be second after that. And then debate amongst yourselves between Frank Gore, Malcolm Brown, insert any other. It's probably Gore just because of the workload that he's expected to get. Although Ty Johnson could step in and play certain downs, passing downs and take away work from Gore. But challenging matchup. I think it's still a challenging matchup. I know Melvin scored twice last week, but. I, I can't think of really positive things to say to make you feel comfortable having Frank Gore on your
2: active lineup. Well, I mean, the one thing that you can look at is just what happened to the Dolphins' run defense last week, which was just a huge surprise given how they performed lately. But 166 rushing yards on 31 carries against uh, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, and Gordon scored twice. So, you know, if there was a time to buy into Frank Gore, it's his offensive line finally looking a little bit better the last couple of games, certainly last week, and, you know, volume. You know, so it's not a it's not a scenario of oh my god I want to start Frank Gore, but you know you might be stuck, and so that could that could that could be something that at least you look at and say oh, he can help you as a flex.
1: Well, one thing to keep an eye on, just confirming Christian Wilkins did not play right for the Dolphins. I don't believe
2: he's back since being placed on the reserve COVID list.
1: Yeah, so Christian Wilkins has play has missed the last two games, so he's big defensive two tackle uh, two Chargers and Broncos, and if he comes back, that makes it harder for for Frank or but obviously a lot of, a lot of work coming um Carlos Hyde I, I got to mention him because we don't do we know we don't know for a fact that Chris Carson's playing do we
2: no uh
1: it it, it seems
2: like that's the case that's what P. Carroll said prior to week 11 that Carson would be back in week 12 and they have an extra day even so because they play on Monday so you know going from Thursday to Monday the schedule makers were kind to the Seahawks in this regard so it seems as if Carson's going to play but I mean, look, there's there's always the fear of a setback. And the way that I have it written in the story is you have Hyde, you have Devontae Booker, and you have Boston Scott, Tony Pollard, and Benny Snell. All of them are rostered in 50% of leagues or fewer. If there is an injury to the starters in front of them, we've seen it with Hyde now twice. He's been fantastic. Booker's played really well in tandem with Jacobs. And, you know, you mentioned even with the Richie Incognito injury, this is still a team that can have some success moving the ball. Pollard and Snell uh, and and Scott, we saw the, you know, at least two games against the Giants. Um, But, you know, those guys all have an opportunity that if they go down, you can you can get starters production out of them. And now you get them cheap. So if you don't have if you have a roster spot to toy with here, this is the time to pick up those guys. You know, Hyde is a little bit more of a priority, in my opinion, because like you said, Adam, it's not a guarantee that Carson's playing. But, um, you know, like if you're deciding between do I want to pick up Frank Gore or do I want to pick up Benny Snell? To me, that's a no-brainer. If you're not needing Frank Gore, yeah, like, you know, don't don't mm-hmm. just pick up somebody that you're never going to play. Pick up somebody that can maybe three weeks from now be a starter for you.
1: And just to add to that, and I, I really hate to frame it this way, but there are so many COVID cases now that you just don't know who's going to miss time. So having backup handcuff running backs makes sense in that regard as well. And I mean, the Ravens are a perfect example of that. Quick question here: We can move on from running backs. If I guaranteed you that. Chris Carson was not going to play this week. Would you rather have Carlos Hyde or Gus Edwards
2: for one week? Yeah. Carlos Hyde.
0: Agreed. Okay. And
1: the Eagles have a great run defense too by the way. If Fletcher Cox doesn't Cox doesn't play, excuse me. If he doesn't play uh then that would change, but neither of them would have good matchups I guess is what I'm saying. Wide receivers. You <laughs> lost high school, Dave. <laughs> well, <laughs>
0: No, i was like this in college too
1: uh sorry about that uh wide receivers well, we'll let the people have fun with that one sleazy which, uh, which dwarf is sleazy that Sleazy dwarf over here getting a little getting a little
2: wild on this tuesday morning uh the responses to that by the way were hysterical i appreciate everybody it,
1: was, it ended up being a pretty good moment uh wide receivers all right we got michael Pittman, jamie and, and who else um, again, a lot of the guys that we
2: mentioned, Debo Samuel is, uh, is a guy that I'm excited about, especially not knowing when Brandon I use going to come back, Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, Tim Patrick. I think all those guys, you can mix them up, whatever, you want to put Patrick second? I'm fine with that. You want to put Aguilar second, Shepard second. I think they all have an opportunity to be potential starters down the stretch, certainly in three receiver league. So, you know, the thing that I'm excited about for Samuel is, uh, we have not seen what this offense looks like without George Kittle and both these wide receivers healthy, you know, so it could be Jordan Reed still filling that tight end role. But I think they're going to be chasing points most weeks. And Samuel and Brandon Ayuk have a chance to be successful. Aguilar, like I said, has been really good. Shepard, you said it, with the targets. And then Tim Patrick has been a very solid fantasy option for the majority of the season since Cortland Sutton has gone down. So all these guys can be potential starters for you. And I do think that after you get past Gus Edwards and probably James White, then these guys should be your priority for sure, depending on what you need for your fantasy team.
1: Let me rewind one second here because I want to ask you about James White and if this matters. To the Eagles run defense or to this? <laughs> uh, to James White. So the Cardinals, that's who James White faces this week. Week one, San Francisco running backs had nine catches, 162 yards, two touchdowns, receiving totals against Arizona. Since then, they have not allowed more than 31 receiving yards to a, to a running back. They've allowed one touchdown. It was to Reggie Bonafon. Uh, They held Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Mike Davis, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, the Seattle running backs, the Bills running backs, all of them, 31 or fewer yards. Zeke had eight catches. That was good. Mike Davis had five catches. But Arizona sneakily, they have become really good against pass-catching running backs. So does that matter for you with James White? And, and, thinking- and then their next week, I'm sorry, next week is at the Chargers. They haven't allowed more than 21 receiving yards since facing Alvin Kamara in week five. They haven't had as tough of a go of it as, as Arizona, who's come out looking good in, the, in you know since week one. Sorry.
0: I, I wouldn't over-prioritize James White. I'm just thinking more of the opportunity is back in his lap.
1: Okay, how about J.D. McKissick or James White rest of season?
2: McKissick. It, it's still McKissick, but... You know, I, you know, Dave said, it. this isn't a, a pickup James White for just week 12. This is pick up James White for what he could be rest of season because there's a clear absence, you know. And, you know, they're they're now down to Damien Harris and Sonny Michelle along with James White. Burkhead was always the, the problem for James White. He's gone, you know, so at least the expectation is he's gone. So James White could go back to what he has been, and you saw it against the Texans. They went right back to him. You know, it was a season high, excuse me, matches season high in carries which was five, but more importantly, most targets, most catches, most receiving yards since week five, you know, and that's when Rex Burkhead really took over that role. So there's a lot to like about what James White could become. And you always have a wild card with these uh, running backs when there's a rushing quarterback, you know, so some of it works out in his favor. You know, we talk about this all the time. Um, that they open up rushing lanes, but they also open up passing lanes too when the quarterbacks decide to throw it to the running.
1: No, back. but it we know it's bad for pass catching running backs. But, and but it's Cam's worth, a little bit different. But though, Cam threw a Cam, ton last week. And he Cam, usually does. Cam is
2: Cam is more he a lot of his runs are design runs. And so it's not like he's he's escaping the pocket to the level that he used to. So he's well, still true, he's been yeah. throwing to his running backs. It's not like Lamar or Kyler. You know, those guys, when the play breaks down, they run. Cam, he still runs in those in those scenarios, but a lot of his runs are design runs.
1: Okay, and back to the wide receivers. I'm sorry. So Debo Samuel. First of all, are you going to trust him this week against the team that gives up the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers? The Rams. He did have a good game against them last time. Only caught all six of his targets, 66 yards and a touchdown. But is he a, is he more of a week 13 and beyond, or do we trust Debo this week?
0: I think he's speculative. And if you're desperate at wide receiver and you miss out on the other guys, then you can use him. But remember, he the 49ers don't necessarily use their wide receivers right. in the traditional sense of a wide receiver. Yeah, They're running jet sweeps and using pop passes and slants, all that kind of stuff. I guess traditional receivers run slants, too. But I, I, I think that they use them a little bit differently. You're not going to say, well, Jalen Ramsey is going to erase Debo Samuel. It's not going to happen the same way that we've seen other receivers get erased by Jalen Ramsey. He's okay. I don't think he's going to register as anything better than a low end number three receiver.
2: Yeah. But so the thing is, though, with all all of these guys aside from, and you can even say Pittman too, just because you know it's not like he's, you know, he had fifteen targets prior to last week, and then three targets I think three four targets in this game against the Packers now. Then a silly country. catch and run for a touchdown.
0: Yeah. Um, not not saying that he should he doesn't deserve credit for it. It's second week in a row. He had a catch like that. So that's just but, part of what he does.
2: Right. But my, my point would be is like none of these guys are like must start wide receivers in two receiver leagues by any stretch. You know, they're they're more starting options than number three receivers. And you could, you know, you said Adam, um, Shepard and Aguilar probably have the best matchup of this group of five. And, you know, Pittman, Samuel, Aguilar, Shepard, and Patrick, and no and one with Pittman. Pittman has a great matchup as well. But I don't think any of these guys are you looking at saying, these are must start options for week 12, but they could be, you know, it just depends on what your, you know, your team looks like.
1: Okay. Let's go to the tight ends here. Dave, who are the, who are the tight ends you like this week?
0: I'm not sure if I've got a good complete list. So Jordan Reed's at the top of it, Jimmy Graham's on it. And then Jordan Akins is on it. I'm positive I'm missing names, but I'm not excited about any of these three. And I doubt I'd be excited about other names that are available.
1: I'm still hopeful for Austin Hooper. Yeah, same. Against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they've gotten better. They've definitely gotten better against tight ends. A lot of these
0: mm-hmm.
1: matchups that used to be great and the teams are getting a little bit better. Washington, I think, comes to mind as well. Uh, but who who am I... Yeah, who am I forgetting? Who is Dave forgetting? And who are we forgetting? Jordan Reed, well, Jimmy I mean, Dal- Graham?
2: No, you saw him find the end zone. So is that? Oh, Dalton Schultz, yeah. Build off of against Washington. Um, Logan Thomas, I'll throw out last week's game, you know, because... They Their run game and their defense was so good. And so, you know, against Dallas, we've seen their coverage of tight ends be hit or miss. I'm curious about Will Disley, you know, now that Greg Olson is out and you get, you know, some concentrated targets to the tight end because they've used Olson, Disley, and Jacob Hollister. So it could be Disley and Hollister splitting time. But Disley's been been, ahead of
0: Hollister in terms of playing time this year. Disley's been ahead of Hollister in terms of playing time this year. So if you want to chase, that's the one.
2: You've seen, uh, for sure, it's absolutely Disley, but you know, it's just a matter of does Disley become uh, does Hollister become a problem for Disley, like Disley has been a problem for Olson. So I, I think it's a it's a very interesting week for tight ends. But yeah, I, you know, I, I should probably reorder the list I gave you, Adam, in terms of um, you know, hopefully it's Reed, hopefully it's Hooper. You know, those two guys still have plenty of potential. And let's face it, the the better group of guys is the ones that are in the seventy percent range, as opposed to the ones that are sixty five or less.
1: Right. Goddard, Earths, Evan Ingram. How do you feel about Mike Gesicki this week? Sixty eight percent rostered. He's been so invisible, but the Jets.
2: It's it's just so hard to trust him. I mean, you know, since his last touchdown, um Smythe and, and Shaheen have scored touchdowns mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for the Dolphins. You know, they just use they use Gesicki more as a receiver. Than they do as a tight end, and they just don't throw to him to the same level. He had a, he had a good little stretch at the end of the game there when Fitzpatrick Pat, came back in, but with Tua, he's just been like you said, invisible.
0: Did you mention Jordan Akins?
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. He had six targets, five catches for eighty three yards. Last I week, wonder, I
0: w- right. I wonder if his w- target share increases with Cobb and Stills
2: out. For yeah, i I think you're right. You know, there's there's an opportunity here. Um, you know, it's just a matter of. Uh, Will it be Aikens? Will it be Fells? You know, they they didn't have uh, the, the same level of production from the other two guys. And, and let's not forget, they like Kiki QT as well. He scored a touchdown last week, too.
1: Yeah, and you know who's actually been kind of bad against tight ends is the Bears. So Robert Tunyon, mm-hmm. 58% rostered. He's fairly interesting. He's had four or five targets each of the last two games. Caught a touchdown last week. Ugh, hate you, tight end. Dalton Schultz is getting a lot of targets, so now that's what? That's he, eight, I think he should be at the top of the list. Eight, seven, and six targets yeah, yeah. in his last three games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unfortunately for Jordan Reed, who had 62, tar- 62 uh, yards. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. 62 yards last time he played at New Orleans. The Rams, they, they got crushed by George Kittle. They gave up two touchdowns to Tyler Croft. Other than that, they've been really good against tight ends. That defense is rounding into form. They are, they are damn good. Getting healthy. Best too. defense in the NFL? Uh, I'll still take Pittsburgh, but
2: they're up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't rush the passer very well. That's the problem. Like, they, you know, they're good. They're not great. Yeah. It's, it's been their – even their Super Bowl year, you know, when they when they got Dante Fowler that year, they just – the edge rushers for them, they're so dependent on guys getting up the middle. You know, and Brockers and and uh, and Floyd have been very good. They're just not the type of edge rusher like the Steelers have. I mean, the Steelers, when, when they're getting after the quarterback, it's just a different level.
1: Okay, Jamie, who are the tight uh sorry, the DSTs? Uh, I mean,
2: we mentioned a few of those, but I'll go back to it. The Giants get the Bengals with Ryan Finley, the Seahawks get just a completely disoriented Eagles defense, uh, Eagles offense after what they've looked like last week against Arizona. So I think you could buy into Seattle. Uh the Packers get the Bears. Who knows what their quarterback situation is going to be? And the Bears give up a lot of sacks. And then the Texans against Detroit. I mean, the fact that Detroit just couldn't do anything against Carolina. Um, I know it's scary to say buy into the Texans, but you know, they may be in a really good spot this week, just given some of the matchups from the better DST.
1: And kickers.
2: Mason Crosby, home game against Chicago. Uh, Tyler Bass has been very underrated, very good kicker this season, taking on the Chargers. Joey Sly gets Minnesota uh, in indoors, and, you know, he's been good, on top of the fact that Minnesota allows the most fancy points to opposing kickers. And then Fairbairn against Detroit, you know, he's just been very solid late.
1: Los Angeles Rams and Tampa Bay. Fun game last night, 27-24. Tom Brady's done they say every year he's probably not done but he didn't play very well he might be done <laughs> he, I feel like it's just been so many moving parts in and out of the lineup you throw Antonio Brown in there just stop throwing deep like, you don't have to prove anything to anyone stop trying to throw deep you stink at it man it's he been the one, one he
2: had one nice throw down the field to Antonio Brown who just yep. missed it off his fingertips I he thought that one turned the game. Out. He threw one duck out of bounds to Mike Evans. And then I don't know what he was thinking, trying to throw the ball to Chris Godwin. He cannot make that throw anymore whatsoever. Um, it's it, yeah. Just, you know, like, you know, Dave, I know your theory on why Brady would play well this week was that they go back to the game plan that they had last year and kind of dink and dunk their way around the field. And t- at times it worked, mm-hmm. but you know, it's Bruce Arians. He gets these play calls in his head. I'm sure Byron left, which same thing, you know, and you see some coverage and you're like, okay, But why throw deep on Ramsey? I don't get it. (laughs) You know, why try and throw these deep shots over the middle? I don't get it. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not who he is anymore.
1: This was a tough matchup for almost everyone and the running backs in particular. I don't know how hard we want to be on them, but can we trust any of the running backs in this game going forward?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think you can get back to the the Bucks guys this week against the Chiefs. I mean, their mm-hmm. run defense has not been good at all, you know, so or at least not good, not great lately. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try. Look, what happened the last time they came off a bad game? They went back to the run game against the Panthers yeah. and it opened up their passing game. So I think Ronald Jones will be OK
0: this week. Um, not great, but good. And then after their bye, it's Vikings, Falcons, Lions, and then week 17 Falcons again.
1: It's interesting. Well, but, but the problem, I mean, like, how annoying is it that Leonard Fournette got that touchdown? You know that's what I'm saying. That was annoying. And Ronald Very Jones annoying. had one target and don't throw it to stone hands is what don't I Don't throw it to either tweeted one Tweeted after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, neither of them could catch, but Jones is awful. I mean, Jones just can't catch at all. Uh, well, that was awful last night. Yeah, he was oh, he was horrible. That's that was my don't throw it to stone hands tweet, which uh which got a lot of love if anybody gets that reference. You guys get that reference, I hope. Not necessary reference. Yeah, baby. Uh the the bucks Is have a been yeah? What well, yeah it's a it's a borderline football yeah it's, no, football. It. it's a, <laughs> I'd say one of the best. It's very good. They have been great coming off losses. They lost week 1, they won the next week they scored 31 points. They lost week 4, they scored uh 38 points the next week they crushed Green Bay. They lost in week uh 9 Two, they got embarrassed by New Orleans. They came back. They won 46 23 at Carolina. Oh but I now TV you think fa- their only quality win this year right now you have to face the, the Chiefs. Um oh, they, I mean they beat they beat the Giants. Uh, <laughs> they beat the Chargers yeah and yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh at Las Vegas
2: 4520. Okay so two quality wins.
1: Yeah uh, Carolina yeah, at Carolina 4623
0: no yeah. you don't think Las Vegas is a quality win? I don't. Know. I guess it is just based on Vegas's record, how well they've played on offense.
1: It was a good. It was a convincing twenty-five point win too. But now they have to face the Chiefs. We'll see what they're made of next week. And we got that game on the home team watch party presented by Lowe's. So I'm pumped for that. You can watch it with us on Twitch. Talk about the game. We got some guest interviews, stuff like that. All right. How about the wide receivers? Did we learn anything about the wide receivers in this game?
2: Don't bench Robert Woods and Cooper Cup.
1: Yeah, I could, I could, I could dig
2: that. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I, the the Bucks are a little bit of a mess. You know, granted that was a tough match. You know, Evans, you're, you're lucky you got the touchdown because he had a bad game. Otherwise, um, you know, with the hell of a play facing him was awesome. for a good portion of that, and Ramsey mm-hmm. wasn't on him on the touchdown catch. Nope. Um, I, I'll still start Godwin and and Antonio Brown. Godwin as a low end number two. Brown is low end number three. I'm sorry, as a high end number three. Um, in this matchup against the Chiefs because they're probably gonna be chasing points. And I'll go back to Brady this week. You know, I this was just a tough matchup. Like you said, the Rams defense is playing great. Um, the the Chiefs defense not in the same category right now. So I think Brady will bounce back and be a low-end starting option.
1: Yeah, last thing here, one thing to keep in mind is Ali Marpet didn't play. It's their best offensive lineman for the Bucs, and Donovan Smith, their left tackle, got hurt on the first play of the game, and he did play, but he wasn't quite Chipley himself. Who did?
0: Chipley. Yeah, oh Shipley got hurt in the second half. So I think golf's protection was very good. It was excellent. Yeah, not, missing Andrew Whitworth, I thought that was going to be a problem. Nope, Joe Nopeboom at left tackle was great, and they couldn't. They didn't even really try to run the ball very much in this game. And when they threw to Cup and Woods too, the Bucks were missing tackles, or Cup and Woods were breaking the tackles. Like this was not a great game for the Bucks defense at all. And I, it, it, there could be a correlation here. Certainly the correlation that if, if there's a matchup where it's going to be hard for the running backs to have a good game, of course you should expect bigger things from Woods and Cup. But I think yeah. one of the other reasons why we were nervous about Woods and Cup was because Josh Reynolds was getting so much work. And here came a game where Reynolds really didn't get that much. He had six targets. And Dan and, Jefferson stole a touchdown
2: from... Yeah, um, stole
0: a touchdown from everybody.
2: I think you, you look at... Uh, you know Sean, that was one of Sean McVeigh's best games. You know, just calling the game. You know, just what he had golf doing. Um, the 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 play designs were just unbelievable. Uh, and then you know, like Dave said, Cup and and Woods, their first halves were awesome. I mean, you know,
0: Cup was over yeah, 100, cup yards 100 yards, in the, yards in the first half. Yep.
2: And and Woods, um, one of the biggest plays in the game. You know, was right before halftime where he he was yeah, oh, so cool the catch and run on the uh, on the tunnel screen. And he got lucky though. Uh, what well, with the clocking
1: it? He got lucky because he was trying to score. If he had gained maybe two more yards, they don't get the oh, play. In that regard,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but still, you know, just a great play yeah. for his fantasy production.
1: Uh, I thought it was really cool to see wide receivers dominate in a way that you just don't really see. There was nothing downfield. There was just precision routes, making men miss, catching everything. Uh, you know, Cup and Woods—they just do it differently than your typical number one wide receivers, and they absolutely dominated. And other than Carlton Davis, I think there's just a lot of weaknesses in that secondary, at least on prim- in primetime games. <laughs> these, these guys like Jamel Dean, just like uh, he was horrible on the Josh Reynolds touchdown pass. He was so bad in the Giants game they kept uh, targeting him on that Monday Night Football Jefferson game. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Van Jefferson. So you know, Carlton Davis is great. I'm not sure about the other guys. I'm not sure if they're playing and and look,
2: stuff. Carlton Davis isn't stopping Tyreek Hill. So, right.
1: All right. Uh, Last question here real quick. Rob Gronkowski. He's he has not been very good without when with Antonio Brown, these three games does have one touchdown should have had two basically, but uh, drop him or or keep him or what? Keep
2: I'd still start him one more week, but this is uh, this is this is a uh, put up or shut up type of week.
1: Okie dokie, let's go back to the waiver wire, get some more names for the people out there. Waiver wire quarterbacks. All right, Jamie gave you the top three that are less than 65% rostered. It's Taysom Hill. Tougher matchup this week at Denver. Uh, Phillip Rivers against Tennessee and Daniel Jones at Cincinnati. You can also look at Andy Dalton and Alex Smith facing off on Thursday on Thanksgiving. And how about, what if Teddy Bridgewater plays? Would you want Teddy Bridgewater at Minnesota? Sure. He's at seventy percent, so he's in that other
2: category that, oh, he he said that we talk about.
1: Yeah. I thought he was but, at
2: sixty, my bad. Um he'd be okay. You know, I mean you just have to worry about his knee.
1: Okay. And
0: I guess Philip PJ Walker would be a he'd be at the bottom of the list for quarterbacks, but I wouldn't I wouldn't duck and cover if he was my only option. Yeah, he is he is at the bottom of the
1: list. Um, you know, it's just a matter of uh how much He'll throw. And uh, Bridgewater, by the way, is now down to 59%. So a little oh. more available. Oh, you, is he? Great. If, yeah, if he does play. All right, so so then Derek Carr, you, you know, you got to you gotta get him if he's available. Uh, but the, the thing about Derek Carr that you have to know is their M.O. has been to run, 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 run. You figured they would have had to pass more against the Chiefs, and they did. But the three games before that, he threw 25 or fewer times. But in five of seven games with 30 or more pass attempts, he's got 22 or more points. So when he throws, Derek Carr is good. And this week at Atlanta, you hope for some points there. Kirk Cousins, how do you feel about him? He's 73% rostered. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Taysom Hill, how would you rank them?
0: I'd feel better about Cousins if he had Adam Thielen. Right. I think that's pretty obvious. And I'm pretty sure I would put Cousins, he'd be behind Carr, but he'd be real close to being ahead of Taysom Hill this week. you yeah, got to no love fancy. the numbers he's put up. I'd take Hill over him just based on the running. But
2: um, he'd, he'd be he'd be ahead of uh, Rivers and Daniel Jones.
1: Mm-hmm. All righty. And uh, any interest in Baker Mayfield at Jacksonville? They give up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks? No. It's a great matchup. Points but... for handoffs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Running backs. Or, or missed, missed tight ends in the end
1: zone. So look, we've talked a lot about Gus Edwards. We talked about James White. Remember, Justice Hill could factor in as well. And l- let's talk about then four guys who are rostered in in more than 70% of leagues or six. So well, more one th- more
2: guy. Just you you asked you asked this question long term. I still think Cam Akers has an opportunity here. I, I I know like last night was just tough because of the matchups, but Daryl Henderson's not getting the job done clearly the last few weeks. And Malcolm Brown, I think we know what he is. He's he's a sort of a specialist for them you know could be a goal line option could be a a receiving threat but they don't use him fully in those two roles uh acres did catch a touchdown last night and you know jordan rodrigue of the athletic i keep going back to what she said earlier this season well she doubled down on it recently and said that don't be surprised if acres takes uh henderson's touches soon so you know this this is now a, a point in the season where he could start to take over i mean you're not gonna start him against san francisco by any stretch but it's a study that you could pick
0: up and just see what happens in the next few weeks. Since he's been hurt. The most he's played in a game is 26% of the snaps. And that wasn't even the case last night. It was 17%. But you, you I, I see what you see, Jamie. I think that there's absolutely a chance that he could be someone that you maybe not comfortably start as a number two running back later this year, but you would turn to in a pinch. Like if he has the, not to the, not the production, but like,
2: you know, it's just, this is what stinks about the the J.K. Dobbins thing. Like, what we just saw from Dobbins against the Titans was like, oh, my God, this is the guy we've been waiting mm-hmm. to see. With everybody healthy, he yeah. looks awesome. And then I could see the same thing happening with Acres, where they just give him the, the work, and he has a blow-up game, and then you're like, okay, this is the guy I want to start, but you may have missed out on it because you didn't pick him up when he wasn't
0: coming off a strong performance. Ten, ten, and six touches in his past three games.
1: Mm-hmm. Henderson got hurt in one of them. But yeah, let's hope let's hope it trends in the right direction. Let's just hope someone emerges there and would be great if it were Acres. Okay, just check to see if these guys are available and that would be Zach Moss, Wayne Gallman, Jarek McKinnon and J.D. McKissick. Are you how know, many even, th- how many of them are must starts this week? Moss, Gallman, McKinnon, McKissick.
2: Gallman's the closest. But have you seen what the Chargers have allowed to running oh backs in their last gosh, game? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we keep talking That's about like, Detroit they're just the touchdowns. Frank Eight Gore touchdowns scored on him. Running back Eight touchdowns to running backs their last five games.
1: Yeah, Philip Lindsay, Devontae Booker, Savan Ahmed, both Jets running backs. They have a terrible run defense, and hopefully Moss gets enough work to make it count. The Bengals have a terrible run defense. They have got 5.24 yards per carry. Uh, Wayne Gallman has scored in four straight games. Jarek McKinnon, we think Mostert's probably you know probably gonna play. That's the
2: expectation, but I still think McKinnon. If you have an opportunity to stash somebody, um, he he could still be helpful down the stretch. Like, don't worry about Tevin Coleman coming back. Also, Mostert clearly is the threat, uh, but McKinnon, you know, we saw earlier this season worked in tandem with Mostert and had some good production.
1: And then McKissick, guys, you know what I'm going to say? <laughs> Dallas, I'm pretty sure they give up the fewest receiving yards to running backs, and he was horrible against Dallas. He had two catches for 16 yards just a few weeks ago, about a month ago. Uh, they did, however, the Cowboys did just allow a season high forty-five receiving yards, and that was to Dalvin Cook. So, is J.D. McKissick a must-start in PPR? Would you start McKissick or Gus Edwards in full PPR? Oh, Edwards,
0: Edwards by far. Um,
1: don't, don't listen. No, that was you just made a far. nice
0: case against McKissick, and now yeah. you're going to say no. McKissick I need to make over. I
1: need to make a little bit of a case against Gus Edwards because this this number surprised me a little bit. Go ahead. Uh, He's had 11 games with 14 or more carries, and he's only scored double-digit non-PPR fantasy points. And that's a good game, double-digit non-PPR fantasy points in six mm-hmm. of them. So you don't need double digits in non-PPR. You get eight. You know, you're you're not thrilled, but it's okay. But it, but considering he probably won't catch more than one pass, that means it's basically six out of 11 games in full PPR where he's had 14 or more carries and double-digit fantasy points, and that's a I'm little still scary. Him over McKissick, though. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, all right, and then Sony Michelle you have on the list, Jamie. I hope I hope he does not have a role because I love Damian Harris. Yeah, me I mean too. it's just it's just a matter
2: of you know now you you know he's going to be active. Um, they took him off IR. They didn't make him active in the game, but without Burkhead there, he's going to be the backup to Harris. And so, just in case something does happen to Harris, uh, this could be an opportunity for Michelle to still help you. So, not a guy you have to pick up, but you know could be one of those depth type of guys just to see what happens.
1: Aha! I found the sleeper! Cordero Patterson, if Montgomery's out again. Oh, Remember, Lord. the Packers, uh, Jonathan Taylor had over 100 total yards, so like 110 or something. So that's 100 total yards or a touchdown every week for a running back against Green Bay. Is it, would, it, would it be Lamar Miller, though? I don't know. Um, yeah, what do you think about I don't on the Bears?
2: Be about Montgomery, you know, the fact that Patterson had 12 carries in that game. Um, I... I think you know this is this is there's you know you mentioned um, some of the the crappy offenses facing some good matchups. There are two: Patterson taking on this matchup against the Packers. You'd love it if it was David Montgomery because at least there's a semblance of he knows what he's doing as a running back. right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And the better one clearly is hopefully DeAndre Swift plays. Yeah. Because he takes on the Texans, and now you're looking at Carry on or Peterson being that guy now. Carry on outsnapped Peterson by leaps and bounds. It was uh, 69% of the snaps to Carry on in Car- against Carolina. 28% went to Peterson. The rushing totals were about the same. Johnson did better in the passing game. They were a complete mess against Carolina. So, you know, I don't know how many people are going to trust that, but those two matchups are dreamy for the Bears and for the Lions,
0: but just terrible, terrible running. Yeah. I don't know if you can take stars. advantage.
1: Uh, but honestly, the, the Lions played. I don't know. Maybe their worst game of the year. They were horrible. They're not that bad. And the Texans are that bad. They give up the second most points to running backs. They've allowed 28 or more receiving yards to a running back in six straight games. Carryon Johnson, I think, is a good sleeper. I think we'd all agree on that, right? At least call him a good sleeper. There's He's not. A sleeper. There's not much like at stake when you call someone a good sleep sleeper. Sure, but. but
2: you know, also let's keep in mind that the the running backs who did that to. The Texans are pretty good running backs. I mean, you know, you look at it like I'm just going back to week three. James Conner, Dalvin Cook, James Robinson had a bad game, but we know he bounced back in the second game. Derrick Henry, uh, Jamal Williams, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. And then Damien Harris, you know, like the Lions guys aren't in that same category. You know, the closest would be Damien Harris.
1: Adrian Peters is a Hall of Famer. What the hell are you talking about?
2: Yes, he (laughs) was (laughs) a great running back. You're 100% correct.
1: Wide receivers, Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis, Darius Slayton, Jacoby Myers, and Cole Beasley. We have not talked about them. These are the shallow league guys. Curtis Samuel, Corey Davis, Darius Slayton, Jacoby Myers, and Cole Beasley. Dave, what do you think about this quintet?
0: I think it's a pretty good quintet. I'd love to have Davis because he's got that safe PPR floor. I I'd, I'd think Beasley would be a huge guy to put in the lineups if John Brown is out in what could end up being a high-scoring game between the Bills and the Chargers. Curtis Samuel also happens to be like more of a red zone threat for Carolina. That's kind of what I've deduced from the past few weeks with him. So he's kind of fun. Great, he's great
1: matchups for this group. That's the thing. Sure. Curtis Samuel's got the Vikings. Corey Davis, not a great matchup. He was not very good against Indianapolis. Uh, five for sixty-seven. Darius Slayton, great matchup. Jacoby Myers, I look. You look at Jamison Crowder, Tyler Lockett twice. Cole Beasley, slot receivers had huge games. I don't know if he's Jamison Crowder or Tyler Lockett, Jacoby Myers, but uh, slot receivers had huge games against Arizona, and then Beasley himself against the Chargers. So these guys have good matchups. Uh, would you would you drop any of those five for Michael Pittman or Debo Samuel or Sterling Shepard or Nelson Aguilar, et cetera? Drop them, yeah.
0: So if I had Slayton already, yep, drop him for Pittman. I think I would. Jacoby Myers I would with Samuel. I don't think I'm ready to let go of Jacoby after one bad game. All right. the The only thought is, does Myers' status change once Edelman's back? Yeah. Because I don't think Pittman's status is going to change from this point forward. And so do I just get ahead of that and drop Myers for Pittman as a long-term play? Or do I just start Myers this week in my PPR league ahead of Pittman? I think that's what it comes down to, how you feel about those matchups.
1: Cool. All right, so Pittman, Samuel, Aguilar, Shepard, Tim Patrick. That was kind of our big five for waiver wire. And then we got Russell Gage, who had a solid game. And maybe no Julio Jones. The Jets guys, Perryman and Mims. Who do you prefer? Mim. Perryman. <laughs> uh, Reynolds against San Francisco. Demir Bird had a huge game. Jakeem Grant, Larry Fitzgerald. What about the Packers, guys? What about MVS and Lazard?
2: I don't want to trust them this week against the Bears. And I think we're going to start to see a problem for the two of them now that Lazard had to shake the rust off game. So they're good stash candidates but you just got to wonder where MBS is with his psyche right now after the fumble. Um, it's so stupid. I mean, sending him death threats, thats just idiotic um, oh, yeah. over social media. So stop, please. Um, but you know, now that Lazard is is back to hundred percent healthy and Rogers has had a very big trust issue with MBS, you know, you just wonder, I yeah. hope he goes back to him. Hope he tries to build up his confidence again, but with Lazard back there, you just don't know what's going to happen with him moving
0: forward. Is it just that MBS slides back into that deep ball role? and that yeah. they can't I mean,
2: count on him. He had great catch to set up the, the kick for overtime, and then yep. unfortunately... Sure did.
1: And Matt LaFleur really supported him, said he's never had more confidence in him. He's playing really well. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that is. Mm-hmm. All right, just, play. just give me like one name. It, out of Gage, Perryman, Mims, Reynolds, Bird, Grant, Fitzgerald, who, who would you go with this week if you needed someone? Or long-term? This, this
2: week, I'd go Gage if Julio's out.
1: That's the answer. Tight That's ends. Uh, oh, by the way, any Eagles wide receivers having the best matchup against the Seahawks? No.
0: Okay. The offensive line is sabotaging Philadelphia's season. The pass rush for the Seahawks is getting better. I, I'm i not feeling good about any of those guys.
1: And as far as tight end goes, Evan Ingram, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, they're all available in a little bit more than 20, 20 to 30% of leagues, let's say. So who's the best, let's say Zach Ertz plays this week. Who's the best Eagles tight end going forward? I
2: Richard would Rogers. probably say Goddard <laughs> this week just because of the shake the rust off game, but Ertz.
1: Okay, Ertz, okay. funny. Dave said Richard Rodgers in case nobody heard. I didn't his. mean Very it. Very funny. Uh, we like Jordan Reed and Jimmy, Gra- uh, well, I don't know if I'd say we like them, but Jordan Reed and Jimmy Graham are people. Dalton Schultz, <clears> Dave <throat> seems to come around on Dalton Schultz. For sure, Logan Thomas had a good game against Dallas in the first meeting, right? Then he catched touchdown in that game. Yep. yep. Uh, Austin Hooper, it's been horrible the last two games, but hopefully can be better this week against the team that gives up the second most points to tight ends. That would be Jacksonville.
0: Eight uh, touchdowns allowed on the season.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not a lot of yards lately.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Disley is becomes interesting at Philadelphia. Jordan Akins at Detroit. Robert Tunyon against the Bears. Trey Burton against Tennessee. And there you go. DSTs, Giants, Seahawks, Packers, your top three, and then the Texans as well. Are you dropping the Dolphins for any of these DSTs? Not this week. No. How about the Browns? Dan Darnold might
2: play, so that's good for the Dolphins, DST. (laughs) How
1: about the Browns? No. Okay. I'm just checking. see
2: if Jake Luton's still there.
1: Yeah, no, a lot they may of... Maybe make a quarterback list again. Keep an eye on that. Are you starting any of the Dolphins, Browns, Giants, Seahawks over the Steelers?
2: No. Nope.
1: Over the Ravens? Yes. Yeah. All right. Pick up Mason Crosby, Tyler Bass, Joey Sly, and Kaimi Fairbairn. And that is it for the Waiver Wire. We'll talk to you tonight on Twitch for Dave and Jamie, Ben, I'm Adam. Thanks for listening. See ya. What's the Eagles defensive guy's doing? What? <laughs> Let your live.
2: Bye.